No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us. Tony Shebeki with you. Welsh and Lyle. Hello, boys. Very good. Hey, Tony. How are you? Excellent. Thank you, mate. Lyle, yourself, you're looking beautiful. Why are you talking so quickly? It does. It sounds like I'm listening to the podcast in 1.5 like I normally do, but we're actually recording it. Does this mean if I listen back, it's going to be three... (laughs) Speed. Would you like? <laughs> Seems like you're trying to rush through the intro, Tony. I know. It's almost like you're on a time crunch. Yeah, I'm going well, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, obviously enjoying my new haircut, Tony. I trimmed it up. Clean it's a up. beautiful haircut. <laughs> I was still a week away from mine. Nah, looking good, boys. You're looking fantastic as always. Of course, it is the Australian Wrestling Network that proudly partners with us for this podcast. We should probably ask um, one of our guests today to talk about we will. that. We will, and very shortly we'll catch up with our guests. Uh, thanks for your uh, for your efforts last week, boys. I think we got the message across, which was good. Yeah, I think um, people, a lot of people like it, a lot of people don't. I think it's going to be interesting, and you've got a tough job ahead of you, so I'm glad it's not me. Yeah, oh, I like a challenge. There's no doubt about that. All right, time to get in touch with our guests for the night. They are the two men that are responsible for bringing us the brand new promotion, Renegades of Wrestling, for the first time ever on the turnbuckle. We say good day to Chris Fresh and Mikey J, who was also on a couple of weeks ago. Hello, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks. I, I feel like you're going to have to have me on a retainer soon, the amount of times that I'm uh, appearing, in, not including today. <laughs> Well, you know, a lot of people have always referred to On the Turnbuckle as a triple threat, and I always thought it was Welchie, Lyle, and Tony, but apparently it is how many times does it take Tony to press record oh, <laughs> uh, on a podcast, and the answer is three. Um, great to be on, guys. I thought I was a Todd Eastman Wrestle Radio Australia exclusive because Todd was apparently the only one that had my contact details, but it's good to finally be on with you guys and um, rehash some of my finer material um, a few times on this show. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Tony likes to refer to himself as one take Tony, but um, that's because he has to get the third take right because he hasn't recorded the first right, move on, move on, move on, move on, move on. Obviously, we're going to get right into the new promotion and how exciting it is. But um, I want to start by talking about uh, about Ree, who was probably the first person that you guys have contacted and got involved. How important is she to what, you, what you're doing and what you want to do? I'll grab this one, Mikey, um, coincidentally enough. Um, look, I, I, um, I've gotten to know Ree over sort of the past 20 years. Re used to be a fan that used to come along to the old Epping shows, which Tony might remember at the Macedonian Hall out Epping, yeah. the NWE, and then All-Star Wrestling at Crown Casino. 
And Ree was always this super enthusiastic fan that would come along to the shows and really have a good time. Um, she'd, she'd do interviews with the wrestlers. She, um, at one point, had asked to interview Jimmy Mustang Jr., who was a really talented wrestler back in the day, and I was really good friends with Jimmy. And Jimmy said, oh, if somebody's asked to interview me, you know, I don't want to do it. And I said, hand me those questions and... I'll answer it to you. Um, and, you know, I think I was answering, like, it's clearly me. I'm referring to our team in the, in the answers and stuff like that. You know, Jimmy wouldn't know who that was. <laughs> you know, Jimmy was um, the typical 90s European wrestling fan of, you know, if it wasn't Sting or the NWO, he wasn't interested. Um, and, you know, we had a really good time and sort of re, over the course of 15, 20 years, sort of started getting involved with the scene a little bit more really has gotten to know people over multiple generations and a few years back at mcw we had the opportunity to sort of work with re on a professional level sort of she's really honed her social media skills um study she's one of the most qualified people i believe in social media certainly in wrestling in this country um and that's all great you know, on paper, Re absolutely would walk into a lot of jobs and get the position. But for me, and I'm not going to speak for Mikey, but I know from my thing, what Rhiannon brings is a real sense of passion and genuine membership of the wrestling community, certainly, if not this state, this country. And for me, working in a creative position in like one of Australia's biggest wrestling promotions, it was invaluable to be able to talk to Ree and get the read of the room of the fan base, you know, to sort of, because I can easily lose touch with that in my position of, you know, I'm dealing with wrestlers, you know, we're dealing with ring crew, <laughs> we're dealing with log logistics, we're dealing, I'm dealing with the sound people and the lighting people to make sure things are getting hit. You know, there's a million different things that you're dealing with. You know, Mikey, you know, you know he's doing video packages, dealing with the venue, he's <laughs> paying, paying everybody, you know, there's a lot to deal with. And it's quite easy then to have a disconnect from the fans apart from when they're attacking you on social media. And the same with people's pets. Um, and, you know, Re was an invaluable resource to be able to go, hey, am I right in this is how the room's feeling about what's going on? And sometimes she'd go, no, no, you don't have to worry about it. Or sometimes she'd go, yeah, well, this didn't hit. <laughs> or, or, or that did hit or that, you know. So Re is a help on multiple fronts. So when we wanted to sort of get things moving with renegades one of the first people mikey and i universally agreed upon bringing on board was rhiannon you know it was it was a no-brainer um number one we're conscious of the fact we're two dudes and there's enough there's enough of us guys in wrestling you know what i mean and there's enough of, our, of us guys in positions of power in wrestling and, you know, wrestling traditionally has always skewed to be a stronger male audience, but that doesn't mean there aren't passionate, enthusiastic and capable females that can work in professional wrestling. And Rhiannon ticks every single box. 
Yeah, she certainly does. And we should congratulate her too on achieving her diploma the other day yeah. of uh, social media. Well done, Rick. That's a, a fantastic effort by you. And that Jimmy Mustang story was fantastic. I'm surprised I hadn't heard it before. Yeah. Um, I, I look, um, there, there's a that's a, perhaps a podcast for another time. But, you know, there was a whole era of wrestling in the late 90s, early 2000s, where a lot of talented people sort of were a little bit ahead of their time, I think. You know, it was a real cross of the generations where you had, you know, your Italian tanks and your Julios and your Jim Demirovs and your Bully the Brawlers and your Oxes and your Konyakovides and people like that. And then you had a new sort of generation coming in of, you know, um, Lobo. Double Impact, Lobo, Jimmy Mustang, the Firestarter, yeah. may he rest in peace. Um, you know, Mad Dog, Spike Steel, you know, the, there was a real sort of, you know, and then you had in the middle, you had like your Chuckies, your Bulldogs and your Austin okay. Youngs. You know, there was a real, I mean, you had me offending all of them. Um, but, you know, you, you, you had a real blending of these generations and sort of what eventually came out of it with the original PWA in Melbourne, while I used to be pretty vocal being the turd that I could be in going all wrestling, no story. You know, the one thing I don't discount is the passion and just how talented all of those guys were in ring. And, you know, and you're still seeing that sort of long redheaded curly haired kid in his kick baggy pants, um, kicking everybody has now morphed into the slicks that we know today, who is one of the best wrestlers on the world stage. Yeah. Hey, Mikey, first question to you from me. We've seen the product of past of what you guys have put together yourself and fresh with Wrestle Rock, MCW and the like. Is this going to be a different product altogether? Have you guys just thrown everything up in the air and sort of just said, right, let's do it all afresh, pardon the pun, or is this going to be along the similar lines of what we've seen? I think there's always going to be a little bit of the influence from what you've seen from either of us in the past, because that's, you know, that's what we know in terms of what Chris brings to the table creatively, in terms of what I can bring to the table with um, the production elements and the vision for where something should go. And it's like, I know for me, the vision of where I want to see a promotion go has always sort of been based upon what I might be watching at the time and what may feel like an attainable goal or how I feel it should be presented. So, so there will always kind of be a little bit of that, but I think having the um, the scope to do a little bit more thanks to Destroy the Lines being on board um, and, you know, having a few new faces added to the mix in terms of the, the management team, I think you'll definitely see some stuff that is different to what we've done in the past and what we may do, so to speak, you know, that like the thing, like the sort of product that everyone's come to expect from uh, Chris and myself. So you, you will see some of that. Um, and a lot of that comes down to that's, that's what we know. That's what has worked. Um, that's what's been successful. And, and it's, and it's, being proven, you know. Um, I do think that there will be some differences. And, yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see how a lot of that's going to blend together to create a, a, a bit more of a hybrid. 
Um, just to jump on and use a bit of a rock and roll reference to tie in Wrestle Rock coming soon to a corner hotel near you. Um, I, the way, because I've seen a couple of fans sort of pose the question of, isn't this just like what they did before? And I even saw somebody wrote, isn't it unfair that it's going to be similar to what they did before? And it's like, yeah, but what's currently around was based on what we built along with Jay Andrews, you know, like, of course there's going to be echoes of that. Like I remember I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan and I was waiting for Axl Rose to finish Chinese Democracy and it took a good 15, 15, 20 years. But I remember when Velvet Revolver came out and what it was was the former band of Guns N' Roses with Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots as a front man. And I remembered hearing Slither, their first single for the first time, and hearing the music and it sent chills up my spine of this sounds like what I know and what I love. But then you heard Scott Weiland start singing and the song sort of goes in a different direction and you go, yeah, it's kind of familiar to what I've always loved, but this is something new and something different. And I think there will be a bit of a sense of that, of, you know, you're going to see certain things and it's going to trigger, oh, yeah, this sort of seems familiar, but it's on us to go we need to reinvent things a little bit to stay fresh. Once again, no pun intended, but, you know, to to engage an audience, not present them exactly the same of what's out there and make them passionate and enthusiastic about something new and something different because there's so many great wrestling promotions around and we're certainly not stop, don't go to them, come to us. No, experience as much wrestling as your wallet can stomach to take in because that's what's great about wrestling you can take in as much but what we want to be able to do is when you come sample our stuff you go oh that's slightly better than everybody else and that's on us and the talent that we work with on making that happen with this uh giant undertaking what was the timeline from being just an idea to it coming into existence Ooh. Um, to be honest, like the the roots to what you're seeing now can be traced back almost three years. Um, so one of the one of the guys involved with this project I was talking to back in 2018, um, and you know there was talk about getting involved with MCW at the time because that was you know the hottest commodity in Australian wrestling. Um, and yeah, just for whatever reason, nothing really lined up. Um, and yeah, it's, it was one of those things where once I was kind of doing the rounds after selling up last year, I was sort of talking to him a little bit and he said, well, would you still want to work together? And I said, look, if, if, if there's something that can be done here and it's, and it feels a little bit different and exciting and it's, and it's not exactly the same as what I've just walked away from then absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't itching to jump straight back in. Um, and, yeah, we were sort of talking about it a little bit more and putting it together and, and chatting with Dal and kind of going, all right, well, what do you sort of see here? And, yeah, like, at the same time, Chris and I were talking a little bit and uh, there was, I, I don't know, there was, a few things just sort of lined up. So this was something that was, it's been in the works for 
a few months prior to it being announced, you know, like it was a very meticulous process in getting the name sorted, getting the logo sorted, all the rest of that sort of thing, uh, and trying to figure out exactly what the identity was going to be and how this was all going to look. Um, so, yeah, we, we had it on the boil for a little while, but we also weren't going to rush into it either. Well, I like we can I can sort of pinpoint like some of the more serious discussions as Mikey said there were sort of loose discussions um I I don't want to speak for Mikey but you know I'm I think he sort of thought it would be something I'm not necessarily going to be interested in after sort of needing to have a bit of a break but you know it's sort of like whenever you do something creative it's still it's hard to shut off and sort of turn it off, you know, and Wrestle Rock being able to run every so often certainly helped scratch an itch to a certain extent. But, you know, it's hard sometimes, you know, you thinking to yourself of, oh, this is what I do. Or, you know, I'm talking to Lockie Hendricks and me and him are just having a broader discussion about wrestling and, you know, our conversations get rolling and was like, oh yeah, if I was there, this is what I'd do. And if I was there, this is what I this is what I do. And when you've taken yourself out of the game, you don't get to whinge, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I always view it of, you know, sure. You can have ideas and everything, but I never, I, I try not to criticize what other people are doing because it's easy to say from the outside, what you would do. It's a different thing when you're sort of in there dealing with 8 million different things that I can distinctively remember having a, I was going on a early morning walk after work and having a chat with Mikey and we were going over everything. And the reason I remember it is because I didn't mention to Mikey it was my birthday. And he said to me later on, he goes, why didn't you mention it was your birthday, you idiot? Because we were so ingrained in sort of what we were talking about of what if, what if, what if. But also a pandemic has gripped everything. And even the best laid plans get put on hold when you can't do anything. So, um, like, I'd say maybe things might have moved a little bit quicker if it wasn't for the pandemic, but there's no point in going to launch something only to have it, like, have all those plans washed away. And even now, you know, we're holding our breath (laughs) going, please, you know, like we're trusting in the process and that they've gone vaccinations were our key out. And, you know, regardless of, it's not about case numbers now, it's about percentages with the vaccination and stuff, you know, we're all at the mercy of the government, regardless of people's personal opinions and everything like that. That's great. You know, you can debate that till the sun comes up and down, but at the end of the day, we're, we're governed and, you know, they're going to be the ones that decide what businesses get to do and what they can't do. Um, and it's awesome that, that you're starting something different, but the one thing that you've decided to do that is probably going to be the biggest challenge of your lives is to go national. Um, how was that an important part of agreeing to the project and deciding to do it? And um, are you have you been surprised by how big of an undertaking that actually is, Mikey? Uh, yeah, I was waiting. Uh, um, I I've been surprised. Uh, like it is, it is a big task. But at the same time, if you sort of look at where things have been going with MCW. Like, we did a show where we were collaborating uh, with IWA in New South Wales at the time, 
Um, we did some stuff in New Zealand with uh, SPW. Uh, there was always sort of those um, links and connections with groups like Wrestle Rampage and Riot City and EPW and PWA. Um, so it's one of those things where it was always kind of there, but not there. And it was always that discussion of what if there was a national promotion? Australia needs a national promotion and all that sort of talk and all the pros and cons of why that may or may not work. Uh, and it was just one of these things where, you know, we're, we're talking with our business partners and everything as well. And it was one of those situations where why don't we try doing that? Like there's, there's the scope to be able to promote interstate and use those connections and links that we have both in and outside of wrestling. Why not use those with this to create something that is a little bit different? Because otherwise, otherwise I don't think that it would be the case. You know, you, you can't run a national promotion and be single-handedly trying to promote in every single cap city or however many cap cities. Like it's going to be like, it's going to be a, not a slow process, but it is still going to be a process in terms of how this spreads and uh, how frequently we run all over the place. You know, it's it's about establishing the brand first and then um, branching out a little bit more and, yeah, just taking it around the country more. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely something that I'm looking forward to and it, and it offers up a whole new range of opportunities too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big task and I don't think that we'd necessarily be doing that under different circumstances. Yeah. Like I, like we obviously, you know, all we did was talk, um, when we were both still involved with Melbourne city wrestling and talking with Jay Andrews and stuff. And, you know, one of the things I, I know I used to bring up in booking meetings would be, wouldn't it be cool if MCW hit the road? every so often and you know then lamenting between us that oh if only we weren't called melbourne city wrestling it's such a melbourne centric mm. name mm. you know um but it was so well established you know like i don't you'd never change that name now you know it's so synonymous with wrestling in australia um and but you know it, the idea of taking something on the road is such an expensive task. Um, and, and as Mikey said, it's intimidating and daunting. Um, but I sort of have the view of I'm going to trust the national touring company's advice when it comes to touring nationally. And that's the thing with um, wrestling fans may not, um, may underestimate it, but music fans definitely won't. Um Having destroy all lines as a as a as a partner, um, in in touring nationally, how massive has that been, and how did that come about? Again, that was one of the discussions, just stemming back from a few years and just going back and forth a little bit, and the timing not being right. So, yeah, the the timing felt right. Uh, um, there was a there was a pitch that was put together and presented, and it was all right. Let's do this. Let's give it a go. And Dell have been really supportive and it's been awesome talking and going back and forth with them and, and even just discussing ideas and bits and pieces and, and finding out how many people both in, in management and also some of the bands that are that, that 
they work with are all wrestling fans. Um, a lot of them were going to Australian wrestling shows. You know, they're they're familiar with the product. When we say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have Caveman Ugg as part of this," you can hear the excitement in their voices because they know who that is. Um, and yeah, like it's it's one of those things where their support has really helped with this. Um, and yeah, like Chris said, they're they're happy to they're happy to leave the wrestling side of things to the people from that environment, and we're happy to take their advice and work with them on how this needs to grow and spread out in order to be um, a more broader promotion. Yeah, like I like destroy all lines. I let the history record show. You know, that's all Mikey. You know, Mikey's the relationship builder. Um, like. I, I know you guys love your footy um, and I sort of, I view wrestling a little bit like footy in, you know, there are like, you know, there are footy directors, there are list managers, there are all sorts of different things where I egotistically have always viewed myself as a bit like, you know, a Wayne Bennett in rugby terms or a Kevin Sheedy in AFL terms or, you know, that a Clarkson in I'm a strong coach, you know, that's responsible for working out how everybody's going to play, keeping strong personalities in line, et cetera, et cetera. But I can't do everything and I don't want to, you know, I'm not a, a flaw in me is I'm a horrible networker, you know, even, even when it comes to talent, you know, I sit back and let Hollywood sort of deal with the glory a lot of the time of, do you want to come wrestle for us? We'd love to have you on board. Because for me, the passion then is send them to me and let's get to work. You know, of, you know, a lot of the time when I come in and go, hey, do you want to come work for us? And everybody sort of jumps and then they go, oh, we've heard things or, you know, that's what, it, and I get it. It's because I'm passionate and I can be intense and everything, you know, everybody, like everybody's got different strengths. You know, I, I'm not sure, like even with Destroy All Lines, you know, I don't ever want to come across as being impatient. Um, and, you know, Mikey's got the patience of a saint, you know, where he'll smile and laugh it up and do all of that. And I'll be like, yeah, that's great. This is what I would do. And this is how we need to do it. And this is what's going to happen. And, you know, and, you know, that's, that sometimes doesn't translate in the business world. And I'm aware of that flaw within but me. Then, but then of course, like, Conversely, I'll then go. So we've got the chance to do this, 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 and this, and then Chris would then kind of go, "Hang on there, reel it in a little bit." You know, you can't do all of that. Don't forget about this and that and everything as well. So, um, yeah, like it, it, it's one of those things. And and Chris couldn't tell you with some of the ideas where we'd be throwing them up for MC Dub, like there there kind of needs to be a little bit of that tether there. Otherwise, I'll just drift completely out to sea with all these with all these wild ideas and being able to kind of refine that and um uh reel it in over the years and yeah like that's definitely helped and being in an environment where we can kind of hopefully let loose with that a little bit more as time goes on that's that's an exciting prospect but yeah we also don't want to lose sight of a lot of the 
key ingredients, um, especially creatively and building talent and all that here, um, that really helped us along um, in the mm. past. And like we've le- we've oh, learned, sorry, sorry Tony, we've learned a lot too. You know, like I I think sometimes people show a resistance for people to be able to learn and grow, and. I get it, you know, like we've all of us in life hold grudges, don't we? You know, but I I think I I always say there's two types of but there's two types of things that can happen here with me in you've done me dirty personally and you've done me dirty in terms of wrestling. Right? If you've done me di- dirty in terms of wrestling, there's always a road back. You know, because we all make mistakes. We're all learning. We're all passionate. We're all creative. We all want what's best for the art. You know, like I, I understand that. You know, I, there's always going to be ups and downs in that journey. You cross a line with somebody in a personal life. That's a different, a completely different thing altogether. And I'd like to think, like in terms of when you work with people, yeah, you know, everybody's going to make a mistake everybody's going to get it wrong. Everybody's going to read the play wrong. You know, my, myself, no exception to that. Mikey, no exception to that. Um, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, Mikey and I, like, things were tense between us in 2019 in my final year at MCW. You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't happy with how some things were being handled. But that doesn't mean that I stopped being friends with Mikey it meant that I think you're being a dick in terms of what's going on here on show day. And because I differentiate between the two of, no, it didn't affect our friendship. It affected our, it affected our working relationship. What it was, was I was able to see the growth over the past year and a half from a, this is how I would do things differently if I had my time again, you know, and it's like, well, let's have our time again. And let's go. I want to first of all congratulate you, Mikey. I think for the first time ever on a wrestling podcast, someone said they were going to answer a question honestly. It's a wrestling podcast. My God, we've had kayfabe for four years now. I, <laughs> I regards, heard last week. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, no, no, that's different with me. <laughs> different with me, shut up. Uh, you, you've announced Cade Menug, as you just mentioned. Uh, he was announced today as one of your signings. We've also had, go back to the start with Lockie Hendricks and a couple more in between. What do you expect that stable of stars to be for you guys? Is there a number that you are looking to work with or is it going to be a dozen or so key names that you'll sign and then you'll fill up the rest of the card with people that you'll just bring in and out? You, you, you kind of summed it up pretty well there with the uh, second option you put forward. Um, yeah, like there's there's a core group of talent that we want to feature on as many of the shows as we possibly can. Um, and then we'll sort of mix mix it up a little bit with people who may be specific to a, a storyline or they may be specific to a region where they reside. Um, and then mixing that up with um, international talent because certainly that's something that we want to uh, incorporate into the product as well. Um, but yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Like we we do kind of have a set number, and that can that could probably 
fluctuate a little bit here and there depending on how things go creatively. But yeah, there's there's a group that we want to work with really closely um, who you're who you're seeing announced now, and then yeah, we'll mix it up and and uh, keep things chugging along a little bit as 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 that goes along too. So I know when um, you got uh, it got announced it'd be a national promotion. Um, established promotions may have got a bit nervous that you could easily just come along and cherry pick all the top talent. Obviously, you guys aren't doing that. H- how are you going to work with other promotions? Like if you're running, say, Sydney, um, PWA, you're not going to run head-to-head, I'm assuming. Um, no, not at all. Working well, with the yeah. other promotions, is that is that going to happen behind the scenes? Like, I, I'll, like Mikey sort of talks to a lot of the other promotions, certainly more so than me. But I know from my perspective of I'm really big on everybody working everywhere, you know, and mm-hmm. it's the talent are the ones who will decide which promotions are worth investing their time into, you know, um, the, the more experience the talent get, the better they're going to be on the shows we run. And also it's never benefited any show ever to go head to head. You know, it really doesn't, you know, there's only so many mm. wrestling fans like that want to take in local wrestling. You know, I'm still trying to work out the mathematical equation guys. And if you ever work it out, you let me know in how, how does the MCG get 60 to 70,000 fans yet we're going 500 is incredible. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, I get where you go. Yes. WWE, the MC. Yes. I understand that. That count is for 50,000. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking 500 is considered a really big house across the country. Any promotion in this country would go 500 is fantastic. Right. That, compare that to what an international tour can bring and it's like i'm desperate to unlock that key of let me double it to a thousand (laughs) like like what do we have to do to sort of get that and what's not going to help that is going i'm going to go step in and compete against these people I'm coming in and I'm going to undermine them. I'm going to email venues and get them kicked out of there. I'm going to tear down posters like the Carney days of 20 years ago. You know, I'm going to steal venues. I'm going to do like, none of that is going to help grow this sport. You know, like rising, rising tide lifts all ships, you know, and it's, and it's one of those things too, where in some of those discussions with other promotions, where there's there's been a little bit of uncertainty, and it's well, look, we're not running on the same night as you guys because we want to work with you. We're we're going to have to use equipment. We're going to have to use talent, um, and we're also if we're going to stand out and be different, then there's no point in uh, immediately approaching those those venues where other promotions are already established like in order to stand out you need different venues you you need um yeah like <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to run at say uh max watts in sydney or the thornbury theater in melbourne as good as both of those venues are but they're established they're they're not our venues yeah. so it, I, I don't think that it would be um like it would just be really shady uh in order to then run them Mm. And this was... Uh, Shout-outs to BCW. 
I, I know that the like the term has now actually been used in branding NXT now with 2.0, but that was a phrase that we were kicking about in our early discussions of I was very adamant of we will not be MCW 2.0. And, you know, mm. could there be anything more MCW 2.0 than going into the Thornbury Theatre with Mikey J and Chris Fresh and, you know, like Jonesy pushing play on the music and, <laughs> and, and, and going Marie upstairs running the social. Yeah. And, you know, and Lockie, Lockie walking out to open the show or something. You know what I mean? Like that is that is not what we want to do. You know, they like they will continue to do great things with what they're doing. You know what I mean? They've got a great core group of people. Nobody knows that more than us. You know, and you know, good for them. You know, I I adore James and Kristen Mitchell. You know, I think the world of them. Um, and uh, the, but you know, I from a creative standpoint, you know, I've headed down a different path and a different direction. But you know, the the intention is uh, across the country is not to go into Perth and try and hurt EPW, not to go into South Australia and try and hurt rampage and um rcw and certainly not to go into sydney and hurt things like pwa and newe pro you know it's to do our own thing but also if we can work together then great and it's um, and like it's also one of those things too where if you look at it like all of those promotions have been in the trenches together um yeah, like just going against that wouldn't work. And, and you can kind of see it with the roster announcements so far as well. It's not like you're seeing um, like you're seeing a lot of great talent from all over the country uh, being announced, but it's not as if you're seeing the top uh, headline act from every single promotion suddenly being smooshed together into this new thing. You know, there, there are people that we want to um, take a chance on and, and people that, you know, Chris or myself in our discussions will see something that we feel is different to what others may see in them. And that's, that's something that makes this really exciting too. Um, we mentioned, you've been mentioning uh, venues. When we're talking about a national promotion and you're looking at venues, not just in Victoria, but around the country, are you looking for a, a certain feel so that there's a personality to the show or are you just looking for the best possible available venue in each state? Uh, um, the roof not being low is a big one, Welchie. <laughs> 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 um, um, like I, I, I know, like, I can speak for sort of in Victoria in particular, you know, uh, we were spoilt with the Thornbury Theatre. Beautiful yeah. venue that's almost like purpose-built for that style of wrestling show and unique, um, as we found out, there's not <laughs> there's not a lot of places the size of the Thornbury Theatre yeah. in the Always location. Yeah, uh, I I love delicious CUB products. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a story for another time. Um, but you know, the, like, and to have something that sort of fits isn't so easy. But you know, we're not ready to announce where we're running. But when we do, I'm confident everybody will be happy with where we're running. As long as there's a train line, everyone will be happy. I'm confident everybody <laughs> will be very happy of where we're running. <laughs> 
So it's at Flinders Street Station, everyone. <laughs> In the ballroom. Um, you'd be funny. You'd laugh. That actually has been brought up in discussions of there's a ballroom yeah. up there, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm well aware there's a ballroom up there. Yeah. Not getting used. Yep. Um, but not so, like, a lot of places, like, people go, why don't you just run here or why don't you run there? There's a lot of different reasons, you know. Is it a, a, a council-run venue? Uh, liquor licensing, is that a thing? As you brought up public transport, if a venue is nowhere near a train in particular tram, like, you know, you're dead, you're dead out of the water, you know, like people need to be able to get there. They probably want to have a few drinks. So if they're able to um, transport easily, you know, that's going to be a thing. And we don't want people drinking and driving, you know, that's, that's an important thing. Um, you Everyone know, just needs to get themselves a Lyle driving yeah. to and from the venues. <laughs> yeah, I need a Lyle. Are you going to you're going to you're going to the next Wrestle Rock by any chance, Lyle? Uh, but here it's a hell of a. He trip leaves home. early. He uh, leaves does early. he? That's no fun. Um, I'll, but- I'll bring along all those action figures that I owe you, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> There's the youth field. But yeah, but you know, like there are so many different factors that come into a venue. It's not just as simple as going, I'll take one of those, please. You know, yeah, it's, um, and it's frustrating because like if you're looking for something that perhaps is going to hold between 500 to 1,000 people in Melbourne, there's not a lot of great options that immediately leap to mind. So it just, Mm -hmm. it's incumbent on us to do the, the legwork and find something. Tell us about the name Renegades of Wrestling. How did that come about? Where did it come from? Chris, this I, one's yours. <laughs> I wanted Mikey to go. It was fresh, just so I could bask in that glory. Um, yeah, that no, I'm was not me. giving you that satisfaction. <laughs> that was me. Um, I like it's hard coming up with a name. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, win- I'm whinging about how hard everything is, but it's not. It's not that. It, I think people go, "Oh, yeah," you just sit there and go, "That that's what this is going to be," and it's like. Yeah, but every good name's been taken. I would you know, have given you a new generation wrestling against, if you had a bar. It's a bit of a rage against the machine name, Renegades of Funk, Renegades well, gee, of that's exa- And that's exactly where it came from. Um, yeah, you're spot on, dude. Hell of a track. Um, yeah. Um, There's a hell of a track. What I sort yeah. of, I, I, I was, we were thinking about at the time and there were a few different things kicking around and rage against the machine sort of politically almost felt relevant again over the past year, didn't they? Mm. Like, you know, in society in general and just how everybody's feeling and how everything is, you know, to me, like they stood out as artists once again going, wow, like it's you can apply what they were talking about then and easily apply it to now. And sort of sad really, isn't it? It is, but it encompasses how I think a lot of society are feeling. And, you know, I think sometimes... People feel there's an over-governance in many different in many different ways, not just in terms of government and people, but you know, over-governance in sport, over-governance in everything, you know. And sort of like the term renegade just sort of fit aesthetically, musically. We're working with destroy all lines, you know, who deal with heavy music and stuff and it feels like a brand that would fall under their banner using that name and then you start realizing because we refer it internally as renegades you know we don't call it row we don't call it row you know um you know like we we don't we don't do anything like that you know we just refer to it as renegades but realistically a lot of people are going to write row 
does ROW sound great? Is ROW synonymous with something else? You know, so like there's these 50 things. And um, I'll give them a shout out to the boys because I'm, I'm guilty of this. There's a group in um, Wrestle Rampage, I believe, called the Renegades. And I apologize, boys. I had no idea there was a group called the Renegades. And it was like stabbing me in the side when I found out that there was because I pride myself on being as original as possible. And I would never intentionally sort of they spell it different but you know whatever you have to I mean, book them now but, yeah. but there's, a, there's a wrestler up in Queensland called Renegade there's 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 um and yeah, shout there's... out and shout out to the former WCW wrestler the Renegade which is the reference Chris Fresh is probably most likely to get uh, um well, he, he also was... wrestled in Australia on someone tried to start a national promotion I reckon 30 no that years wasn't ago. that wasn't him like you're talking, no, you're talking high risk championship wrestling run by the great Mark Lewin like and him. Peter oh, Scarpetes yes. um, at Festival it Hall. Just like him, it did. Um, but yeah, which, no, went, that, which went for about was... two or three weeks, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it did. On like TV, like, Channel Nine. I, 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 yep. so, I so remember that period of time where where Mark came over and he got all these wrestlers in, and everyone was just so pumped about what was going to happen, mm. and it was just yeah. Well, he needed money. Here's a good, here's a good um, complete markout story. In I was in my absolute throes of loving wrestling as much as possible, and we had our ringside seats, and um, we were big ECW marks. You know, like really just being jerks, like catcalling everybody, having the best time. And um, Mick Foley was coincidentally out doing a promo tour that same weekend, and. Um, Mick, what people won't realise because it was never televised, Mick Foley makes an untelevised appearance at that event where he comes out at intermission. And to do the raffle? Oh, I don't know if they had a raffle. It would have been good <laughs> if they did, though. Every wrestling show needs a raffle um, until I said to MCW of enough of the raffle. Um, then he and Mikey goes, but it makes good money. Um, <laughs> the, the, That's two wrestlers. Mick, Mick comes out to the ring. And says, you know, everybody's been treating me fantastic in Melbourne, except for those guys right there. <laughs> and he pointed at us and, like, we went berserk and loved it. And then um, those Nazis, the DOE, DOA came out and were not fond of our catcalling. One of them actually spat on me. Um, <laughs> true story. So I got Nazi spit on me. Um but yeah, you no. High- to you've had Nazis spit on you. No, that was <laughs> apparently not. Um, but yeah, high risk championship wrestling did not, as um, Tony alludes to, did not um, <laughs> go too well. So that guy you mentioned, Peter, was he the guy that owned the textile company? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he was. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, was- and like Mark Lewin, obviously the, the very famous wrestler, and um, lost his shirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coincidentally, but, that, <laughs> but but Tony will tell you, like, and this is the the other thing that Mikey and I are both big on is, you know, a lot of people tried getting into wrestling and were fleeced. You know, there's some prominent commentators and stuff that lost life savings and stuff coming into wrestling because the, the wrestlers would see these guys come in with a bit of money and just rip them off for every cent that they had. And wrestling needs to be better than that. You know, if people are willing to invest in us, the last thing we should be doing is ripping anybody off. <laughs> you know, it should yeah. be, thank you, sir. Here's the greatest show possible. What more can we do for you to invest more into? But there was a period of time where it was like, how can I line my pockets? And I don't care what happens to this person. And as I said, that was a 20 year ago thing. 
but you know, it, a few people really got burnt by wrestling, um, and it was a real shame. But wrestling has certainly gotten a lot better um, over the past twenty years, and I'd like to think something like that. Um, if it did happen, a lot of a lot of us would call the people on it for being scumbags. Yeah. Mm. Now, when the promotion is up and running uh, early next year, what, what's the goal? Is it running? Once a month, twice a month. What's the early goal? I think I think just sort of being able to get established. Like I, I don't even think it would be monthly. Like it might get to the point where, as time goes on, maybe there'll be a bit of a tour over a weekend or something like that, where you'll see a couple of shows around Australia. But to start with, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit slow and steady, just so everyone can find their feet again with it. Um, uh, so we can like work with with Dal and make sure that everyone's across it, and we're all moving at a comfortable pace for everyone. So yeah, like things like twice a month, uh, no thanks, <laughs> especially especially not not early on. Like that's that's uh, that's something I don't want to rush into ever again. Um, but as time goes on, you know, like especially if we're traveling around the country, then yeah, like you'll you'll see if you'll I'm sure you'll see a few shows. Um, even if it's just over the course of a, a week or two, maybe. We, look, we, we don't want to over-promise and under-deliver, mm. you know, like so many people fall into that trap. Am I confident that if you have a date announced and a venue announced and it's a Renegades of Wrestling show that we're going to entertain the life out of you? <laughs> Yes, you know, I am confident that we can that we're going to assemble a roster and a crew and a team that will put together something comparable with the best shows that you can go see in this country. That is the confidence that I'm always going to carry because if I don't have that, what am I doing? You know, like hmm. if I don't think we can deliver this, then what's the point? You know, yeah. like and I I actually, you know, I actually said that to destroy all lines of, you know, I'm not coming back to fail. You know, I'm coming back to succeed. You know, I don't, I don't like failing. I don't like being a, are they fresh is one of those guys that every couple of years, once the last disaster blows over, he's going to pop back up and try something else and, you know, and wash, rinse, repeat. That's not me. When I come back, do it good, do it really good. And, you know, and when it's time to step away and have a break, I like to think I can read the room, read myself and go, I need to go recharge the batteries. I need to go do that because it is hard when you're constantly, I don't know how guys write weekly TV, you know. Um, and well, have you, have and you seen the weekly TV? The, yeah, but, you know, but it's creatively exhausting. And, you know, you, you're balancing all these different people, you know, uh, we we whinge running a monthly wrestling show um, where you know it's a it's a small. You got a you got a job at the same time. Yeah, that is true. Um, and you should have a job I've got at home, <laughs> um, like with the kids. But it's you know I I am confident that you know when we do have to deliver that we will deliver. Um, when you're starting a national promotion and you're kind of spoiled for choice when it comes to to talent. Um, what one thing I have noticed is you're choosing a lot of wrestlers who have perhaps been underused or underappreciated in, in other promotions or not getting used as much as 
their talent probably suggests they should. Has that been a focus in choosing who you want to work with? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, I, I know it sounds like I'm talking a lot, but it's a podcast you talk. Um, the, <laughs> the, 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 there are a lot of people synonymous with promotions around the country. You know, you think of these promotions, you think of this talent. They've probably had good runs at the top. They've probably done that, and rightfully so. You know, they've, they're talented enough that they've deserved to be in the position that they've been in. But if we want to stand out and do something different, then we need to get creative with list management. That's why I go back to the sport analogy. <laughs> you know, it, it's list management of who's around and who can we do something different with that, as you said, hasn't been used all the time. You know, like I can step back in there, take everybody who I've worked with before. I get along with them. I know them pretty well. We probably even kept in contact on a personal level in my time away and we can do what we've always done. And the fans will see it and they'll go, cool. Yay. And then they can go to Thornbury and see it two weeks later. And then they're getting double that. And it's like, no, what if instead of this person, what if we give this person a go? What if, you know, like who has brought Matt Diamond down and really given Matt a go in Melbourne? You know, no one. No maybe one. maybe everybody will now and they'll beat us to the punch and you've all seen Matt <laughs> 16 times by the time we run. And good for Matt, you know, if that was to happen. He's a talented guy and deserves all the bookings he can get. He's a good, good person as well, Matt. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny you say that, Welchie, because a happy locker room is super important as well. Because in 2013, Mikey and his then business partner, were sort of left in the lurch a little bit with MCW. And they, Mikey had reached out to me as he always did every so often and said, do you want to come in and help? And I'd always go, thanks, but no, thank you. And then I thought about it and it was like, well, I've kind of, I can go in there and have a free shot at this. You know, the usual suspects aren't around anymore and I'm not going to have to play the games and the politics and everything. I can sort of come in there and maybe give this a shot of building something new. And I remember stepping in there and there were a lot of talented people around and the shows weren't drawing huge crowds. You know, they were in that awful Tullamarine venue with the yellow walls. And and the yellow sauce on the chicken. Yeah, and people, well, well, no, well, the Dragonfly was nice compared to what the Tullamarine venue was. Um, And, you know, I looked around and I remember one of the first things I said to Mikey was, you've got a culture problem in the locker room. You know, a lot of good people, a lot of people I called friends, like that, all were miserable. You know, all had their um, jaws out of place. You know, all sort of like crossing their arms and sort of stomping around and going, we're not enjoying this. We're not feeling like we're getting the most out of this. And it was like, it's going to take time, but I think we can fix it. And then, you know, we did, but it took a couple of years. Like it wasn't overnight. But we don't have that issue now. We're creating a new locker room. So what we can do and go, oh, who was a real pain in the ass a couple of years ago that made my life miserable or made everybody else's life miserable? Excellent. Not in the locker room. (laughs) Don't need to deal with it. 
who did I wish we had there because I hear nothing but rave reviews about what a great person they are? Give me that person. Give me 10 of that person and get them in because I would rather take the risk on somebody that nobody knows that will appreciate an opportunity and make the most of it but also get along with everybody than perhaps, like, I've been guilty because I was what you would call a naughty boy back in the day. I'd get drunk backstage. I'd be difficult to deal with. I'd, I'd storm out. You know, I'd be able, I was what you'd call a naughty boy in wrestling. So I would then gravitate towards the naughty boys in wrestling of, let, I know this person's a pain in the ass to book, but let's work, let me work with them because they've got talent. Just let me work through their BS. And mo- nine times out of 10, I'd get bitten, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nine times out of 10. And you think stupid me would learn <laughs> and go fresh, stop it with the naughty boys and girls. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know, like there are so many good people in wrestling, like so many good people like this, but the naughty boys and, and talented girls, and passionate as well. Yeah. But naughty oh. boys and girls are such a small percentage. And when I say naughty boys and girls, I'm not talking like, really yeah. bad stuff. I was talking like the attitude problems and stuff like that, you know, like they're difficult to deal with because sometimes being creative makes you difficult, but nine times out of 10, you got bitten, you know, and you got let down and you're like, but I went into bat for you so many times. You have no idea. I sit in the booking meetings and nobody would want to deal with you. And I argued for you. Why are you biting me now? <laughs> and because the second my booking didn't go their way, mm. I was the enemy. And it's like, no, I've learnt now. You're hearing me. I'm putting it, committing it to podcast. Chris Fresh is out of the naughty boy and girl business. Uh, we're going to be calling you out on this soon, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. I know. When I get bitten, I'll call you up well, cheered. I'll be in tears. Um, but, you know, I, I think a good culture and a good locker room will create a good product. Well, that's probably why you've got Royce there. He's one of the best wrestlers and he is Love an incredible guy. And Love- passionate about it as well. Like, talented, passionate. And and I think that's one of the one of the key similarities with a lot of the people that we've been approaching. They're so fucking keen for this, you know. Mm. Like like everyone's excited. Um, the locker room being fizzed up gets gets me excited for it. You know, like that's um, that's awesome. Like you're, you're you're riffing off the talent in terms of we all want to be doing this. We all want to be a part of this. Uh, that's that's so special, and then that translates to the audience as well. Um, and look, people go, people go, you know, when we when we announced Avery, you know, you you saw the reaction from people going, I love that she's going to be back. You know, I, I've missed her, and she's only been gone a few months. <laughs> you know, but Avery has a genuine connection with the crowd and the audience, and I think if that can be shown around the country, I think it's going to be infectious because with Avery, what you see is what you get with that girl. Like she is like that backstage. She is happy go lucky. She is friendly and she has the best time. Yeah, and she's, that is, she's love genuinely lovely human being. She is mm. like, she, she is at Royce, as you were saying, sky's the limit for Royce Chambers, incredible talent. Matt Diamond's exactly the same. Tali, another one which has a great connection with the audience. 
you know, I, I've got to be careful. I'm trying to remember who we've announced and who we haven't announced. <laughs> um, but you know, but but I guess just keep in mind that when we've when we're making talent announcements, it's been a carefully thought out plan. You know, like a few months ago, after a, a Wrestle Rock meeting, Mikey sat down with a pad and he had names written out with tears and everything like next to it, not physical tears, but you know, like this is who I'd like to use monthly. This is who I think we could use intermittently. You know, this is who we would use when we're in this particular state. You know, this is what we, and these are all things that you have to try and figure out when you're running nationally, because if we were just going to be a Melbourne based promotion, economically, you're going to be looking at Melbourne based talent realistically, you know, where we think that things are a bit more open to us borders pending. How do you go with scouting talent around Australia? Because it's hard to keep your eye on not just everything that's happening in a PWA, but everything's happening under that level. Here comes a plug alert, Welchie. <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. Mr. J? Oh, um, it's one of those, like for me, looking at different promotions, who's talking about certain people, like, I know you were telling me to use Royce Chambers long before anyone else was, Welchie, for example. Um, I'm like a dog a, with the bone sometimes. <laughs> uh, broken clocks right twice a day. Um, <laughs> uh, like, being able to, like, don't forget, like, I've been working with different promotions. Like, I've been looking at a few different bits and pieces and and then just seeing how people thrive in certain environments and in certain roles and, and in situations that maybe they weren't even afforded under the watch of, of Chris and myself at MCW. Um, like there's have, having seen some of the stuff in Queensland because I've been sort of working with some of those guys a little bit and, and editing content for people and, and just going, holy shit, there's all these people all over the place who are so good and people don't even know they exist or they haven't been given an opportunity in any one place because a lot of people have their, their set rosters already. It can be tough to break into and get those spots. Um, yeah, like just buzz word on the street word word travels fast and you know if, if even the australian doing... wrestling network would probably have some of them finally well, somebody gave the plug <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i don't i didn't want to be so overt with it we, yes, we plug um, it every week you're fine <laughs> i must forget um my memory's shocking um yeah so a lot of these great talents who you can see on the Australian Wrestling Network or on Fight TV or whatever, like there's there's all these different ways in which you can see people and then hype and buzz and word spreads. So that's that's really helped out. Like 10 years ago, people weren't getting their stuff online. You'd have to buy a DVD and no one was really wanting to do that as someone who was making those DVDs. I understand. I know. <laughs> um, but now it's all so readily available and people are watching and, and you're also getting that real-time reaction from your audience who are going, well, this person was great. This, I want to see more of this person. Wouldn't it be cool if, if X faces Y and yeah, all that sort of thing. So um, yeah, like that's, that's Mikey's, been a big big plus. Mikey's always been, from my perspective, super in tune with wrestling as a whole around the country. You know, he has like he was such a talented video editor and cameraman that from a very young age, 
promotions would get him to come up from Victoria to go to Queensland and New South Wales and Adelaide and stuff. Me, I've never travelled for wrestling. You know, I, I've done all my work in Melbourne. And, you know... Even we've travelled for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. So, what we're, like, a lot of the time, I trust Mikey's instincts. If he goes to me, you got to trust me on this one. And I'll go, okay. And then they'll come down. They'd work the show. I'd look. And then it would be like, I start writing, you know, and I get to work. Or back in the day, I'd, t- you know... Lockie would give me a ring and go, I just did a show up here in Sydney. You should check out this person. And I'd go to Mikey, you heard of this one. What do you think? You know, um, or that, you know, I, I'm a very much a homebody, you know, like BCW have bought out some of my childhood heroes from wrestling and had them wrestle 15 minutes up the road from my front door. And I didn't get off the couch. You know, if you had have told me that Shane Douglas was going to be 15 minutes up the road and I wasn't going to get off the couch and go and see him, I wouldn't have believed you, but I didn't. So, so you know, the idea that I'm going to travel around and get to shows probably isn't going to happen. But, you know, if I get sent a match link or get sent something, I may watch it. Um, but that being said, I didn't used to watch MCW, which used to drive Mikey and people crazy because I, what I would do, my philosophy was, and Welchie and Lyle would be able to attest to this. I'd have my spot and I'd stand against the wall. It and wasn't I'd a wa- fun spot to be standing when things weren't going well. No, <laughs> no. Um, but I, I'd watch the show from the crowd's perspective because we're primarily a live business. You know, like we make our money from ticket sales. So I want to, I don't want to see Mikey doing the greatest editing job of all time and make the show look fancy and fantastic. I want to rawly see the crowd from the crowd's perspective. I want to hear exactly what they're reacting to, how they're reacting to it, and then base what I'm doing off how they're reacting. Is that going to change? Because now you're doing national. So, when you're in New South Wales and mm. South Australia, people in Victoria are going to need to keep up with the product. So is that going to change to an extent now that you're going to need to be a hybrid product for, for the screen and for live? Yes. Like I think the simple answer to that is going to be yes. In It's going to be more important. And I think even in the past few years with like the onset of AWN and Fight TV and things like that, we've seen the ability for wrestling to reach a broader audience and get eyes, you know, I think GCW has benefited tremendously from that over in America of GCW is not a product that would catch my attention, not my style. Doesn't mean I don't think it shouldn't exist, but you know, it's not, it doesn't appeal to me as a fan, but I give them full credit in their hustle and the way they've gotten their name out there and some of the angles have pulled off with people like Matt Cardona and stuff. That's not a traditional way of how they would do business. They've done a great job of reaching a broader base. Just touching on uh, having your spot at the Thornbury Theatre to watch the yeah. shows live. Yeah. Um, what was your favourite moment being in the crowd Um and seeing, you know, the crowd explode of seeing your vision play out in the right way or, you know, exceed your expectations? Well, I, I had a I had a couple of different ones. Like, from a I knew it was coming, the Okada announcement at Essendon, knowing that, you know, 
that sound was going to hit. And he had legitimately, because like we, when like that whole process was ridiculous. And then it was like, do you reckon Okada could record a brief promo? Because it still didn't feel real. Do you reckon Okada could record something accepting Slex's challenge? And then when it came through, it was like, oh, this is actually happening. So, <laughs> so to be standing there knowing the current IWGP champion is about to pop up on the screen and what that was going to mean for wrestling as a whole in Australia was amazing. For me personally, still the big crowning achievement of everything was Mr. Juicy versus Slex title for title. Um, the culmination of a very underrated Gino Gambino heel turn where he went on a run for a year and Slex sort of like finally ascending and becoming not only champion, but winning like both titles Um the reaction in Thornbury that night was just as loud as the Okada show. Like it really was. And it was two homegrown boys going at it. And when Slex won that belt, it was deafening in Thornbury, like absolutely deafening. And it was like, I, I got chills watching it. You know, it was, I, as you guys know, I love long form storytelling. And in my head in that moment, I remember being at Sebastian Walker's house and we'd invited Gino over and he always used to complain that we never would invite him over. And it's funny because him and Walker are now best friends in some sort of real life sitcom that they're having. Um, but, but, you know, and I was explaining to Gino, who was a baby face at the time, my pitch for him to turn heel. And anybody that knows Gene is, he's an attention, like he's a shocker. He loves attention. He needs to be loved, you know, everything about him. And I'm saying to him, you're not going to cut promos. That's going to be Walker's job. You're not going to speak. You don't owe the audience your words and you're not going to give it to him. And he looks at me and goes, so what? I don't get to cut any promos. No, you're not going to talk. And I could see him just staring at me. And then it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not going to have entrance music anymore. What? Yeah. Oh, boo- that works so well. The booze are going to be your music. What, what do you mean no music? I go, what I don't want, Gene, is for when you go through that curtain, <laughs> I don't want any form of pop. <laughs> I want you walking out of that curtain. And if there's no music, there's no pop. Because even a heel will elicit some sort of pop once music begins to play. And it was like, none. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, no, I can't do it. And we're both <laughs> like, you're going to do it and you're going to like it. And, you know, and eventually he did it and he didn't look back, you know, like, and that that year run with him being that awful heel, you know, poor JXT finally finally wins the ballroom brawl after being the bridesmaid so many years he wins it from number one and then gene successfully defends against him <laughs> you know and the crowd like all right we've had enough of this then you had the robbie eagles the moment. robbie eagles one that's where yeah. you that's where you yeah. killed me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where you killed sebastian me. walker pulling robbie out that was yeah when he the best live, one of the best live experiences i've witnessed I didn't and, see the pullout. I was celebrating the win. 
<laughs> uh, uh, Welchie, you sound like me a few times in my life when I used to um, <laughs> go too early. Yeah, well, no, well, that always happened. I would, but, you know. Um, but anyway, so like there were a few of those moments, and to get to the Slex moment, you have to have the other moments. And the and the main reason that it worked is because M- I used to describe MCW as an indie with territory sensibilities in like it had an indie style you know but it had storytelling and a level of community access that the territories would have so we were traditionally as i would explain to mikey we're a babyface territory at mcw we traditionally have strong babyface champions sexton yeah, trust me, he did not love Sexton Rocks. I can tell you he didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, like we had long reigning babyface champions for the most part. So that then allows Gene to have a year where he can have a heel run and terrorize everybody. So that way when Slex gets him, you not only then are combining the two belts but you're now having the indie worker be the champion of the territory in a territory storyline. And it's combining those two things. And for me, I know it's a very long winded answer, but you know, I don't often get to sort of talk about it long form about sort of what it was like, you know, for me, seeing that culmination happen. Just giving me an idea. I'll I'll pitch it to you after the show. (laughs) is 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 the best thing to sort of, is the best possible thing to have happen. I loved looking around and just seeing the way fans were. I actually moved from my position against the wall and I went and stood at the very back because I wanted to look at the ring and the stage and sort of take in the whole crowd and see how they went. And I swear, I stand by it because Slex was involved in both matches. Slex and Gene in that match got just as much heat as what Okada got as IWGP champion at Thornbury. And for two Australians to be able to do that should serve as an inspiration for all the Aussies out there going, you can own this country. Like, yes, we're going to bring out internationals. We all like, you know, that's part of the business plan is what's going to happen, but make that crowd leave talking and thinking about you because it can happen and should happen. Steal that show from them. You know, and that's what we always did with internationals. It was the internationals were a compliment to the Aussies, not the reason that you would even dare show the Aussies your attention. Mm. You know, I always tried, you know, whether it was when Chavo was here and, you know, him putting over an MCW wrestler, whether it was, you know, Will working with our local talent, you know, all of that, you can have internationals come out and they work against another international and there are going to be people that only want to see those internationals and they won't care about the Aussies or you can use the internationals to enhance the view of the locals when as we were talking about how many international how many fans are out there that won't give Aussie wrestling a go so how about rather than make it a self-fulfilling prophecy, we try using the internationals in a manner that will make people respect the Aussies or give them the respect that they deserve because they do deserve it. They are extremely talented. And I back 
every single promotion and most of the talent across all these states because our product is pretty damn good. You've got to put over the guy who's going to be here next month. Yeah. It's business 101. Like you'd think so. Too many people don't do it. Yeah, I see it yeah. a lot. Guys, we've taken up a lot of your time and we really do appreciate it. It's been a fantastic insight into your working relationship in the past and what will be that in the future and the building of something really big in the renegades of wrestling. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump onto our podcast and have a chat to us. And we wish you all the best with your projects, gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks very much for having us and, um, and for all the love and support all three of you have shown towards what we've done, what we're looking at doing. Like, yeah, we're, we're super appreciative of all of that. It's awesome. I'm struggling to continue giving you that love and support because you've got Lockie Hendricks in the dressing room, but that's all right. I'll work with it. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's, that's my son, Tony. You can't, <laughs> you, you can't talk about him that way. But, no, thanks thanks for having us on, guys. I'm sure we'll talk again. Um, and, yeah, like keep doing what you're doing. You know, like the, uh, the passion you guys have for the local product is infectious and it's nice to hear um, you guys giving everybody – a voice and giving the listeners a chance to get to know a lot of the local wrestlers that sometimes you don't get to hear from. And um, Tony, you know, you've been at it for a long time now, giving your support behind local wrestling. So it's good to see that that passion's still within you. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. And thank you so much for that. We really appreciate those kind words. That was Chris Fresh and Mikey J joining us here on the Turnbuckle. And welcome back, part two of the well, program. There is no it's part be- two, is there? No, it's going to be a very short part two because part one was so enthralling. Uh, we didn't want to let it stop. So no use us banging on about anything. We can bang on about the upcoming shows. I can do that. Let me tell you exactly what they are. Coming up this week, we have nothing on Friday. Saturday, ACW has the King's Ego in Prospect. UPW has Brisbane 4 at the Mansfield Tavern and Chavo Guerrero seminar early in the day. That's fantastic that he's uh, doing that for them. PWA Showcase, we're going to need a montage in Ingleburn and PCW Ignition in Ferntree Gully also on Saturday. Gentlemen? Great to see a show in Melbourne. Yes. No doubt about it. Tune in next week when we're joined by I don't know, someone I assume. Beautiful. I look forward to it. Catch you later, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Thank you for joining us right here on the Turnbuckle.